Amen. I'm so glad we're under his great protection. God bless you. And it's a privilege for us to be together here tonight. We got a big old surprise for us. I mean, a big old surprise. <laughs> Brother Andrew, I found out he's coming through this week, and I thought, well, it's been a while since he's been here with us. We'll just invite him to come on down. Uh, <clears throat> We'll be going to the youth service at Brother David Siler, so some of you the youth that'll be going down there, you get to hear him tonight and the rest of this weekend too, part of it. So I'm sure they have a great time there in the Lord. So we'll just open our hearts tonight to the Lord and see what the Lord has for us. How many has needs? Oh yeah. Oh wow. My goodness. All of us. Yeah. Let's just sing it again, Harry. Let's just open our hearts and know that the Lord is so mindful of us, no matter what the enemy ever tries to do. God has his eye on us. He'll help us through the hard times, the difficult times. Amen. Oh, I've got victory over the enemy and this world. get on the other side to have victory and I believe there's a bride here tonight that's got victory amen. amen because she is the victory amen the prophet of God taught us that we are his victory amen the evidence that Calvary was a success amen I'm thankful tonight to be identified as the victory of Almighty God aren't you amen God bless you this evening if you have your Bibles while you're standing we'll go straight in the word we'll invite you to the book of Matthew the 24th chapter and while you're turning there this evening, we want to greet you in the name of the Lord. We want to greet you tonight in the name of the Lord. Uh, our pastor, Brother Sean Martin, and the uh, saints there at home send their greetings to you this evening. And we uh, sure want to say it's an honor and a privilege to be here and uh, to have the opportunity to speak to you all again tonight from the message of the hour. Amen. I believe it's the greatest message that's ever hit the face of the earth. And I believe if there's ever been a time to preach it, right now is the time to preach it. Amen. And let a lost and dying world know that there is still a living God in the midst of his church. Amen. And just before we read the word tonight, let's just bow our hearts together for a word of prayer. And let's just ask the Lord to come and speak to us tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we gather here this afternoon, Father, we've not gathered here out of ritual or tradition. Lord, we've not gathered here out of duty or Lord, because it's something that we feel like we've just got to do. 
But Lord, something has drawn us to the house of worship. Lord, there's a deep calling to the deep. And Lord, as your prophet told us, before there was a deep calling, there had to be a deep to respond to the call. Father, how thankful we are tonight as we gather here in this place of worship to know that we're not gathering here tonight to try to make something happen or to try to work something up or to pray something down. Or, but Lord, we're gathering here and accepting what you've done in this generation the promises of your word. And Father, you know the needs of your children here tonight. Maybe some sick in their bodies, Lord, pain, Father. But they've pressed over that to be in the house of God. I pray, Lord, that you would heal them tonight, Father. Maybe some discouraged in their spirit, Lord. But Father, they, the devil didn't have enough to keep them out of the house of God this evening. I pray you would send encouragement to him, Lord. And Father, I pray as we open your word tonight, Lord, may you send the spirit of revelation into this meeting. Lord, may you drive out every spirit that's unlike the Holy Spirit. Lord, may liberty come, Father, and anointing upon your word. Lord, I pray that you would move among us tonight in a supernatural way, and we'll be sure to give thee all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory, for truly it is due your wonderful name. We love you tonight, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, and all the believers says, amen, amen and amen. The book of Matthew, the 24th chapter, we want to look here in the 34th verse. I want to say we thank Brother Donnie for the opportunity to speak to you tonight. And we sure appreciate him. Amen. We stand for this word. And amen. amen. I believe the Lord, is, the Lord has got great things ahead of this church. Amen. Amen. Matthew 24 and verse 34. The Bible here says, Verily I say unto you, that this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now we know this next verse by heart. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words shall not pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Amen. I believe that's a certain sound tonight, isn't it? Amen. Amen. God bless you this evening. We ask the Lord to add the blessing to the reading of his word as you, you can be seated here this afternoon. Uh, from those passages of scripture tonight for just a few moments, if the Lord would help me, I want to speak to you on a thought. And if I would title it tonight, I'm actually going to borrow a title from Brother Branham. And I want to speak to you on God keeps his word. Uh, God keeps his word. I believe that Brother Branham preaches that thought about eight times uh, throughout the message. God keeps his word. In one place, he'll actually change the title uh, to the unchangeable word of God. And we find uh, in studying those tapes over the last little bit, I found that Brother Branham is establishing some principles of faith uh, to the hearts of the believers. And the first one I found is Brother Branham establishes to the church that God is in his word. He says God is in his word. Another thing he'll say, amen, is that God confirms his word and then he'll say it like this God keeps his word and the final thing he said that really just struck my heart is he says God always keeps his word so God is in his word God confirms his word God keeps his word and God is all God always keeps his word so that that now removes the question of when does God keep his word that now removes the question of what conditions or what circumstances is God able to keep his word he's showing you that there's no conditions there's no circumstances. There's nothing that removes God's ability from keeping his word. And I found that one of the, the revelations that struck my heart in studying this, amen, is that God keeps his word. Now, I want to emphasize on that. God keeps his word, not my word or not your word, but God keeps his word. The part of God said it like this. He said, if God don't keep his word, then he's not God. But if he keeps his word, then we should be the happiest people on the 
earth because God keeps his word. Amen. Then that is now identifying to us our source of joy, our source of happiness. Amen. Is coming from God's ability to keep his word. How many uh, is a witness here tonight that God keeps his word? You In your life, you've experienced somewhere, sometime, amen, God's ability to keep his word. I find tonight, amen, that God is a divine keeper. Just a few scriptures in Genesis uh, 28 verse 15. The Bible says, and behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all the places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into the land for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. In Psalms 121 verse 4, David says, behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Amen. I, I like the way David says this. The Lord is thy keeper. Amen. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. In John 17, 11, Jesus says, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. In 1 Thessalonians 3, 3, he says, the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and shall keep you from evil. Are you, are you beginning to see the picture here? Amen. That God is a divine keeper. 2 Timothy 1, 12, he said, for this which cause I also, also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. In 1 Peter 1, 5, you say, what are you doing? I'm giving you some things to fight the devil with. 1 Peter 1, 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, I love the capstone of these scriptures is in Jude 1, 24. Now, unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Amen. Amen. That should remove every devil of doubt of whether God is able to keep something. Amen. Amen. He has been able to keep his word. He has been able to keep his promises. Everything, amen, that his word said he would do, he has been able to do because he is God. Now, when you look at this word keep, it's actually it's actually a verb, which you know a verb is an action. Amen. And when you, when you catch that, amen, that it's not just something spoken, it's actually something done. Amen. To keep, amen, is a verb, it's an action. Is, is there something wrong with this, Mike? Okay, well, we'll just keep preaching and fight the devil anyhow. Amen. It takes more than a bad microphone to stop a believer. Amen. Amen. To, to keep, amen, means for God to do something. It's an action. Now, if you look at the definition of the word keep, it means to have or retain possession of. It means to cause to continue in a specified condition, a position, a course. It means to continue doing or to do repeatedly. It means to remain in good condition. It means to retain one's place in position against opposition or difficulty in order to honor or to fulfill. Amen. It means to retain one's position in uh, against opposition or difficulty. Now, Abraham says it like this. He said, God's promises is unfailing. They are the truth. How many believes that tonight? He said, how do you think it's been, friends, through these years of meeting opposition around the world in many different, 20-some different nations the Lord has sent me to? There was critics and opposition and demons and scientists, amen, trying to disprove it and throw it into every trial that it could be tried. But by the grace of God, he said, I've never seen one time that 
I've ever feared a moment. He said, why? Because God promised he would do it. And I believe him. And so when opposition comes, he said, why? It's not me to take care of it. He meant it's him to take care of it. It's just me to go wherever he said go. That's right. He will take care of the opposition. Amen. And I find in the age that we're living in, that we're living in a generation where people are very quickly losing their ability. Amen. To remain in position and to persevere. Amen. When opposition arises. But you know, amen, we're not quitters. Amen. And we're not just starters. Amen. But we have been anointed to be finishers. We, we have been anointed. Amen. Amen. To cross the finish line. We have been anointed. Amen. To stay under the blessings of God. We've been anointed. Amen. To believe the message of the hour. Amen. Now I'll just say it like this. Opposition is not going away. Amen. Opposition is here to stay. You know, there's a saying, amen, that when the going gets tough, amen, the tough get going. But it seems today, amen, when the going gets tough, amen, there's no tough left to get going. Amen. But I want to let the devil know there is a bride upon the earth tonight, amen, who is not anointed to come up against opposition and pull back from her position. Amen. But she has been anointed to persevere. She has been anointed to overcome. She, she has got a promise that greater is he that is in her than he that is in the world. She has got a promise. Amen. That if God be for her, who can be against her? She's got a promise. Amen. Though a thousand fall at one side and ten thousand fall at another. Amen. It shall not come nigh thee. Amen. Come on church. Sometime or another you got to recognize that you're not just Sunday morning Christians. You're not just Wednesday night Christians. Amen. But you are the bride of Jesus Christ who has been anointed in this generation. Amen. To pursue that devil. Amen. And to overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. We've not been anointed to come up against opposition and lay down our faith and lay down our confession and lay down this message. I tell you what, if there's ever been a time to fight, amen, right now is the time to fight. If there's ever been a time to persevere, right now is the time to persevere. If there's ever been a season, amen, that we need a bride to recognize her position and stand there as the sons and daughters of God. That hour is not coming. That hour is here. Amen. There's a bride here tonight who's been anointed to retain their place in position against opposition or difficulty. I love how Brother Bram says this. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Believe us thou this. He said he is just as great right here among us tonight as he was then. Believe us thou this. He is the same healer tonight as he was then. Believe us thou this. He cannot fail, so be persistent and hold your position in Christ, which is your confession. Amen. Hold fast your confession in Christ. Amen. Then your confession is your position. Whatever opposition you come up against, amen, the confession from the word is your position. If you come up against sickness, amen, our confession should be, I am the Lord that healeth all thy diseases. If you come up against sickness, our confession should be that by his stripes, we're not going to be, or we not were, but we are right now the sons and daughters, and we're healed by the promise of God's word. Come on, friends. I think it's time to, to square our shoulders back and push back against this devil. I think he's pushed long enough. Is there anybody ready to push back against this devil? He's encroached. Amen. He's put fear on the church. He's brought anxiety and nervousness and depression, and he's opened the pits of hell. But there's a word here tonight, and it's an anointed word for you to persevere against
casting devils. Don't you give up your confession. Don't you give up your position. You are a believer. In the good times, you're a believer. In the hard times, you're a believer. When you're on the mountain, you're a believer. When you're in the valley, you're a believer. When the sun is shining, you're a believer. When the clouds are gathering, you're a believer. I mean, we're not a believer by the flesh. We're not a believer by the spirit. We are a believer from the soul. And no matter what that devil throws against us, we're going to stand here and say all things are possible to them that believe. We're not a bunch of quitters. We're not a bunch of hotbed plants. We're not a bunch of denominational church members. We are the bride of Jesus Christ with a promise that God always keeps his word. But remember, said that church is going to pass through the hall of critics. He said, we go through there. He said, you're going to be called a holy roller. You're going to be called a fanatic. But if you can only hold your position in Christ, you're going to be called a fanatic. You're going to be called a holy roller. You're going to be called all kinds of things. But if you can only hold your position in Christ, then someday he will take you to the hall of fame. Notice how he connects this, Brother Harry, from the hall of critics to the hall of fame. If you can hold your position in the hall of critics, amen, you'll take your position in the hall of fame. If you can hold your position at the Red Sea, you will take it in the promised land. If you can hold your position in the fiery furnace, you'll see the son of man appear if you can hold your position in the lion's den them lions that was going to eat you it's going to become your pillar come on bride if you can hold your position and lay out a sea amen some morning between six and nine we've got God on record that there's going to come a sweep across the land and those that's been magnetized to the Holy Ghost are going to be changed in the moment in the twinkle don't give up your position stay in position don't let that opposition back you off of your confession you are the bride you are an overcomer you are a believer stay in position don't back off of your confession don't back off of God's word stand there in the hall of critics and you'll take your position in the hall of fame he said see first we got to stand criticism he said then that's where the littleness of a stand he says where it shows he that cannot stand chastisement is an illegitimate child and not a child of God no matter how much he's joined church whatever he's done if he cannot stand chastisement he's not a real child of God but a real genuine child of God don't care what the world says everything else is secondary is there any real children of God that don't care what the world says everything else is secondary he's got his mind on Christ and that settles it whatever Christ says do he'll do it wherever the lamb goes they're with him are you hearing me tonight you got to hold your position in order to see the glory of God he said now watch this he's appearing his presence is here he is always with his people his bride he is courting her and someday they're going to a wedding supper so if you can stay in position against opposition in Laodicea your next place is the wedding supper <laughs> If you can stay in position against the devil, now, now can, I just, can I just cut to it and preach to you for a second? The reason the devil's trying to get you out of position is he wants your position. He wants your position. See, he was there. He knows what it's like. He saw, Brother Rob, the angels fall before God. He saw the beauty. He saw heaven. And he was kicked out of there. Amen. But there's a bride up on the earth tonight who was born in sin. She was shaping in iniquity. She come in the world speaking lies. But under the atonement of the blood, she has been justified. She has been regenerated. She has been born again. And 
she is now in position, amen, to go back to where the devil was kicked out of. If I was the devil, I would fight this bride too. If I was the devil, I would fight this message too. But I just want to let that devil know he ain't got enough to stop it then and he ain't got enough to stop it now. It's an unstoppable force. It's a people who have recognized their day. They have recognized their message. They know in whom they have believed. God keeping his word. I love how the prophet says this. He says God keeping his word is an eternal inspired subject. He said we could just dwell on this for weeks. We could hold a year's revival and still it would be just as fresh at the end as it was at the beginning of that subject. Amen. God keeps his word. He said there's one thing that God cannot do. Did you ever think of that? There's one thing and that's fail. He can do everything but fail. He cannot fail. Amen. How many wants to tell me preach tonight then go ahead and tell somebody next to you God can't fail God can't fail no matter what you're going through tonight God can't fail no matter what you face today brother Aaron God can't fail no matter what tomorrow holds God cannot fail no matter what's been in your past no matter what's in your future amen God cannot fail he's the eternal God he said so if our most holy confidence is built this morning upon the wonderful one who can do anything there is to be done except fail then how much confidence should we have in his eternal word? You say, well, preacher, if God was here in a corporal body and I could physically lay eyes on him, then I would have the ability to put my confidence in him. But the prophet said that's not the form that he promised to be here today. He did not promise to be here in a corporal body with nail prints in his hands, but he did promise to be here in the form of his word, which would be coming through a message, which would be coming from Malachi 4, which would be coming from Revelation 10 and Luke the 17th chapter he promised to be here in the form of a prophetic message you know why it had to be a prophetic message because you're not just church members you are a prophetic class of people come on now you're not just church members you are a prophetic class of people you go study Revelation 10 and see if the Bible doesn't say that a mighty angel come down from heaven and he was clothed in a cloud which was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ in the first verse you come to the seventh verse amen, and watch now now, he says, and in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, then it's a mighty angel coming to a seventh angel. Amen. But don't stop at Revelation 10, 7. Let's go to the eighth verse. You know what it speaks about there? It speaks about your type, which is John. So it was not just Christ. It was not just Brother Branham. Amen. But the bride had a part in Revelation 10. He said, John, come and take the book. Amen. Why did John have to take the book? Because he had to prophesy again. Come on, bride. Amen you are the type tonight that's going to take this book and you're going to eat these promises and they're going to be bitter in your mouth but they're going to be sweet in your belly. Are you hearing me? You are the bride who is in position by the word to prophesy again. See, the prophet of God said, see, then that eternal word is in you. He said, you have become word and word has become you. Amen. Now, I want to say it to you like this. If we're going to believe this promises, if we're going to believe this word, then we got to get our faith, amen, centered upon the right thing. The prophet says it this way. He says, I want to speak to you on the infallibility of the word of God. If people can ever get placed 
and their faith centered not upon present situation. Somebody say present situations. If you can ever get your faith centered not upon present situation but upon what God has said about it, if you can remember that no matter what comes or what goes, how impossible that it seems to be, amen, God's word will take its place every time. In the face of every difficult, nothing can take its place. It has preeminence because it's none other than God himself in the spoken word and it has to come to pass. Then the hour that we're living in is the time that the word must have preeminence in the church. Not our feelings, not our sensations, come on now, not our emotions, not our dreams and visions and prophecy. Amen. But the time has come that the word must have preeminence in the church of the living God. You know why? Amen. Because conditions does not change God's ability to keep his word. Do you realize if you get your eyes upon present situation, you will forget what God said about it? If you get your eyes upon a present condition, you will forget what God said about it. Like, like right now, there's a war between Ukraine and there's a war between Russia. Now, if you're focusing on Fox News and CNN and MSNBC, you're building bomb shelters, you're building all kinds of things. Amen. Because at any moment, you know there could be a bomb. Amen. Dropped upon this nation. So if you get focused on the present situation, you will forget what God said about it. Amen. Through a vindicated prophet. And what he said was, before one bomb ever hits this earth there will be a bride who will be seated oh god there will be a bride who will be seated at the marriage supper of the lamb so if you get your eyes upon the present condition you will forget what god said to you amen that it don't even pertain to you because you're not even going to be here to see it so what you got to do is you got to get your eyes off the present condition and get your eyes back up on the word let me let me admonish you tonight get your eyes off the news and get it back on this message Get your family, amen, out of the world and get them back under the influence of this message. Come on now. Well, I'm this close to it, I might as well preach. Amen, I think it's about time we clean house again. Amen, because a bunch of devils have moved back in. Come on, I tell you why faith is full in the church. It's because there ain't no more tapes being played in the homes. There's a big old television and every ungodly, filthy thing is coming back in the home because ain't no man got a backbone, amen, to stand against this devil anymore. Well, we might as well preach with this close to it. I'll tell you why high heel shoes are coming back in the church. Because we got a bunch of panty-waisted preachers that ain't got the guts to say what, oh, God. Ain't got the guts to say what a prophet said. So they, they're worried about the word. But listen, there's a bride here who's not going to give up her position because of a little layout of sin opposition. I know makeup's coming back in, but it was wrong then. It's still wrong tonight. Come on, church. But what's happening is the pressure. Well, Brother Andrew, you know, you, we got we to gotta conform to these things. You ain't got to conform to lay out a sin. There's a word concerning you. Now, I'll say it to you like this. If you bury your head in the lay out of sin, then you're not going to have no confidence in what the word's telling you. If you bury your head, is this okay? If you bury your head in the voices of lay out of sin, then the voice of the seventh angel is no longer going to influence your home, no longer going to influence your family. Come on, if a preacher buries his head in what Dr. Dobson says, what this preacher says, amen, then the words of a vindicated prophet is no longer going to influence the church. But there's a bride here tonight who refuses to believe the devil's lie that this message has expired. There's a bride here tonight that believes if a prophet said that a woman painted her face, she ought to be called Miss Told Me. There's a bride here tonight who's not giving up her position on the word for fame, for popularity, for feelings. Come on, somebody. We might 
as well shout with this close to it. It's the word or it's nothing. It's the message or it's nothing. And there's a bride here who's been anointed to withstand these devils. Don't you give up your family to the gods of Hollywood. Don't you give up your family to the gods of Laodicea. Don't you sacrifice your children on the altars of some sports god. Stand on the word of God and back that devil back in the hell that he come out of as a believer in position. Don't you give up your position because there's a little bit of opposition. Well, so-and-so won't like me. Hey, man, I might as well preach. I'm this close to it. Hey, man, I think we ought to take a minute and thank God for a pastor here like Brother Donnie that didn't give up his position. We thank you, Brother Donnie. It would have been easy to give up his position, but he stayed in position against the opposition. You know why? Because there's a mandate here to lead a bride into a rapture. Well, if a man of God can stay in position, we need some fathers to stay in position. We need some mothers to stay in position. We need some young boys, amen, to stay in position against these devils until every devil is defeated and the power of God comes back in the church. Stay in position. Well, they don't like it. Well, let me just say this. They don't like preachers. So we all just going to quit preaching? Okay. I don't know how I got here, but I'm here, so I'm going to preach since I'm here. Little opposition. Well, you shouldn't preach. So every preacher just close their Bible and lay down and let. No, it's a devil trying to take influence of the church. Well, we shouldn't have prayer lines. Amen. Somebody don't like prayer, so we back off. Come on, but we've not been anointed to back up. These are our promises. This is our time. This is the season. This is the this is the time for Mark 16 to become more than a Bible verse, but to become a church in action by the baptism. Don't back off of it. God keeps his word regardless of the opposition against it. Conditions doesn't now come on. Amen. Amen. There's opposition now to preach against homosexuality. So we're just gonna close our Bibles and say, well, Laodicea says it's right, and we can't say nothing about it. Amen. And there'll be a lot of hirelings do that, but there are some men of God who are still left in this land that says you can beat us, you can punch us, you can shoot us, you can put us in jail. But it was an abomination and it wasn't so from the beginning, and somebody's gonna stay in position against this devil. Bride. God doesn't change his word. And neither does conditions change God's ability to keep his word. Brother, I'm sitting like this. No matter how mysterious it seems. Can I, can, I, can I give you three words? No matter how mysterious it seems. First one is mysterious. God always keeps his word. No matter how unreasonable it may be to people, God keeps his word. There's the second one, unreasonable. And if God makes a promise, then God will keep a promise. And sometimes it seems like it's ridiculous. There's the third one. Ridiculous the way that he would go around about to keep his promise. But God always does it. It'll be mysterious, Brother Scott. It'll be unreasonable. And it'll be ridiculous. But God always keeps his word. Are you hearing me? Do you realize as a believer following this message, you are living out those three words every day of your life? You are mysterious to this world. You are unreasonable. Come on now. Amen. They settled for Sunday morning on Easter, and that's the only church they go to. Amen. But there's some people here tonight who has found their position in the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter, when he said, forsake not yourself. You're assembling together that much more as you see the day approaching. See, then you've taken a confession that God keeps keeps his word.
Are you hearing me? Amen. Amen. It's a day and time where people have laid down their sword and they no longer fight the spirits. Amen. But there's some people here tonight that you're in a fight for your life. Amen. But the reason you're here is you're mysterious to the world. You're unreasonable to the world. And you are ridiculous to the world. Amen. But God will always keep his word. Can I tell you about a man that was mysterious? He was unreasonable and he was ridiculous. His name is Moses. The prophet said God called him from his birth, put qualities in him of great faith and then came down with his presence and anointed that great something in him and sent him down with his word. And he was properly vindicated of his claims. No matter how many sparks, no matter how many quacks had raised up, how many other things had happened, Moses was identified. Amen. Listen to this. What Moses said, God honored because God's word was in Moses. Moses was mysterious. He was unreasonable and he was ridiculous but God's word was in him. Moses was identified and what God, what Moses said, God honored. Are you hearing me? When Moses went to the burning bush, the burning bush did not put the qualities in him. Can I preach? When you came to the altar, the altar didn't put the seed in you. Come on now. Amen. It was already laying there. In other words, the potential was already in you. Before you was born, the potential to stand against the opposition in your position was already deposited in you in the mind of God from before the foundation of the world. Then what happened at the burning bush? It was the anointing of Moses' faith to go into action upon his commission. I love how Brother Bram says it like this. He says, now watch. God will never take his word back. So before Moses ever went to the Red Sea, God knew it was coming. Before Moses ever stood before Pharaoh, God done knew what Pharaoh would do to, to try to stop Moses from going forward. Come on now. Amen. When, when, when Pharaoh said, you're not taking Israel out of here. Amen. God was not taken by surprise. He already knew it. But everything Moses needed was in that seed. <laughs> Glory to God. Everything Moses needed was in that seed. Then when Moses had been quickened by the presence of God, there was no devil could back him off of his confession. I have been sent here by the almighty God to deliver God's children. The prophet said we must remember what God says. He will never take back, but he adds to it. Now watch this. Them of old time, you've heard them say, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already. He said see he never takes it back he just adds he just magnifies. <laughs> Amen. God never takes his word back and when I say God adds he's not adding in the sense of changing he's adding in the sense of enlightening. <laughs> Is this okay? If you look in Genesis the third chapter the Bible says that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. Amen. Do you really think if you read that and you stood there in Matthew 21 and saw Jesus come riding into town that you would clearly identify that that's Genesis 3.15 but in Zechariah he gives more clarity to the prophecy and says he'll come riding to you upon the foal of an ass and they'll be, they'll be shouting Hosanna, Hosanna see what he's doing, he's magnifying it he's making it so clear that when the word becomes fulfilled you will not miss it, when God comes oh God. 
soul. Are you hearing me? When God comes in his church, your eyes will not be holding to it. Amen. But you'll have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive. Watch this. He never takes away. He adds to. He magnifies. That's what he does. All of his works. He continually magnifies them. He said that's where we're walking from one church age, from Luther into Wesley, into Pentecost, and on and on as we go. As we move on up, God continually magnifies the same word. Amen. Oh, God, help me, Lord. He continually magnifies the same word. Just keep going like that until finally the church will come into the image of Jesus Christ, which will be his bride that he'll take home, right? The thing we're looking for today. That's why the devil hates you. It's because you're not sitting here as just word only. You're not sitting here as just Malachi for only. Amen. But you are the culmination of justification. You're the culmination of sanctification. You are the culmination of the restoration of the gifts. And you are the seed that is not heir with the shut. Amen. No wonder the devil hates you because he sent Elijah. Amen. To open your eyes to the reality that we're not a partially restored church. We are a fully restored Malachi 4 word born, spirit filled, word fed. Amen. Church of the living God with the dynamics of God. There's something in you that don't know how to quit. You are the magnification. Sure, we realize that. You are the magnification of the promises. See, that every person that comes in must have an experience, but it must be a word experience. And I said to you like this, never allow emotion to replace your experience. It must not be just an emotional experience. It must not be just a sensational experience. It must be a word experience. Now, the part of God said, we're not saved by experiences, nor by fasting, nor by prayer. There is one way we're saved. That's through faith, through the word. See, now notice this. And in this day, in this day we are now living. I love how Brother Bram turns this, terms it. He says, in the great emotional age. In the great emotional age that we are now living in, I feel that in some respects, surely that people in the world who would believe that I told the truth, the Lord is vindicated, see, by his grace. Now when he says this, this great emotional age, he turns to a story about Dr. Roy Davis. And he said when Roy Davis became a lawyer, before he became a preacher, he was a lawyer. He said, and Roy Davis took everything from a legal standpoint. He said, but what happened was, amen, the first case he ever tried he went in the courtroom and he said he beat on the rails and he screamed and he cried and he ran all over the place and he said finally an old attorney stood up and said judge how long are you going to let this go on in your court he said that judge crushed me he said but the reason he done that is the same reason I'm standing here talking to you William Branham he said well I just got done preaching my first sermon on Samson grinding at the mill he said I did every motion just right I cried like Samson I beat the ground like Samson he said and Dr. Davis said it was the worst job of a sermon I've ever heard <laughs> now come on brother Bram, this preaches sermon and Dr. Davis says it's the worst sermon I've heard he said Dr. Davis why did you say that then he went back and told him about the case in the courtroom and he said see the judge spoke up and said son if you're going to win the case you got to have some law and not just emotion 
if you're going to win the case, there's got to be some law, not just emotion. Brother Abraham takes that and turns it, and he says, now watch. He said, see, there was something there. I walked out defeated. I went on home, and I said, I'll study something else. I'll never make a lawyer. But after a while, someone knocked on the door, and the old attorney came in. He said, I know it's in you to be a real lawyer. <laughs> Notice this. I know it's in you. Are you with me? I know it's in you to be a real lawyer, but this court doesn't make its decision upon your mental emotion. Said you had a lot of mental emotion, but you had no law in defense. And I think that's a very good thing. I said, Dr. Davis, I thank you. He said, Billy, all of your emotions going on tying Samson to the post, whipping him, putting his eyes out, you didn't get very much scripture. Then he turns it and says, men are not saved by emotion. All the little sad stories you tell, but men are saved by the word of God. That certainly fixed me up. Then I decided this, that God doesn't judge us upon our emotions, upon our affiliations with church, but he judges us by his word, and heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Let me say it to you like this. Thank God for a prophet who could stand in this emotional age and still say that anything without emotion is dead, but at the same time stand there and say, it's going to take more than emotion to defeat this devil. It's going to take the strength of the word of God coming in his church. And he starts it by saying, God is in his word. God confirms his word. God keeps his word. God always keeps his word. See, because there was something in you to be a real Christian. I tell you like this, that's why these preachers keep on preaching because they don't want you walking out of these services defeated. They don't want you living one day on the mountain and the next day in the valley. Amen, because emotions will put you there. Amen, but if you ever come under, amen, a real if you ever, Brother Donnie, our, our conversation at lunch is coming out. If you ever come under a ream of word, there'll be nothing present, nothing past, and nothing future that will ever defeat you in your walk as a child of God. The church can be cold and you're on fire. Everybody can leave this message and you'll still be standing. Come on, friends. You know why? Because you've not been saved by emotion. You've been saved by the word. You were born... You were born to defeat devils by the supernatural power of God that was deposited in you in seed form. See, then Isaiah said, my word that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I said it. Look at this word void. It is an empty condition without effect. God promised to bless his word, and it will never return to him void. But can I say it to you like this? Unbelief does not make God's word without effect. Unbelief does not make God's word without effect. Can I tell you what the prophet said? God is true to his promise no matter what he has to do. He has to bankrupt the heavens before he would let one word go defeated. He never made a promise that he cannot keep. I'm the Lord that healeth all thy diseases. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. If thou, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. Amen. Brother Darrell, I remember one time you was preached on this quote and you made a statement. You said, God will bankrupt heaven before he lets one promise fail his children. Brother Darrell said, in other words, he'll rip up the gold off the streets, go down and pawn it before he lets one promise fail his believing child. I was preaching out Dave Sowers the other day. I was preaching out to Brother David and something struck me when I read that quote. Amen. God never paved the streets of gold with the intention of pawning it. 
Are you hearing me? He never hung the walls of Jasper with the intention of taking them down to go pawn them so he can fulfill his promise to you when you come up against opposition. When he paved the streets of gold, he knew you would come up against opposition. When he hung the walls of Jasper, he knew you would come up against opposition. But he knew the seed that he had placed inside of you, amen, was strong enough to withstand the opposition that at the end time at the end time there would be a bride who would be standing there without spot without wrinkle or without blemish because God keeps his word then when you come up against the devil and the devil questions you upon your position the devil questions you upon your confession you've got the answer to the devil's question are you ready for this it's not my idea it's his word he promised it he's here it's his power we've got the answer to the devil's question I love how Isaiah said it. He said the grass withereth and the flower fadeth but the word of God shall stand forever. Jesus said again heaven and earth shall pass away but my word shall not pass away. First Peter 1 24 for all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away but the word of the Lord. Somebody say the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord endureth forever and this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Come on. Then we are not here tonight, Brother Scott preaching under a spirit of fear of whether God keeps his word. We are here as firm believers. Sister Anna, that no matter what we're going through, there's a promise concerning you. Amen. That the word we're preaching is a word of perfect assurance. Brother said like this. He said, now night after night, I've stood on the platform. I've been before the gross thousands of people around the world, critics sitting there saying it's this, that, and the other. Which doctor standing there trying to throw spells on you, challenge you in duels. Amen. But never one time, I say by the grace of God, has one speck of fear ever hit my heart. Not one time. Why? Because he said he would take care of me and I believe him. Now you say, preacher, how do you know that fear never gripped the heart of Brother Branham? You know how I know? Because if you was out hunting, amen, and all of a sudden you come up on a grizzly bear, amen, and you took off running, we'd say, what happened? You'd say, I don't know, I ran away. But the reason I know the rest of the story is because Brother Bam didn't run away. When he come up against opposition, he stayed in position and said, listen, you're going to break my bones. That's what you say. You just did to a preacher the other night. But before you lay one hand on me, you will fall across my feet. Amen. Where was that confidence coming from? It was not coming from the emotions. It was coming from the word which was in his soul by the experience of the new birth. That he could stand there and say, listen, man, you'll fall over my feet. And the police had to get him off of his feet. Are you hearing me? That's the ministry you've been trained under. Let me, let me just tell that devil something. There's one word we don't know and that's retreat. There's one word we don't know. Brother Greg, how do you spell it? I don't know it. You know why? Because the prophet I've been listening to never one time said retreat. You know there's something else I don't know how to spell. That's the word quit. Some of y'all need to beat that devil up right now because he's trying his best to get you to quit. Amen. But the problem is you can't quit because you never started. You never started this, so you can't quit it. You was born in this. You was called to this. You was anointed for this. You was chosen and elected with a gene seed inside of your soul. You don't know the word quit. You don't know the word draw back. You don't know the word retreat because you've not been anointed to run. You've been anointed to stand. You've been 
anointed to stand there and say it may be my last breath but I'll go down saying God always keeps his word said when Jesus Christ anoints you you're not made out of running material he said you're not made out of the rock of Gibraltar but you're made out of the rock of ages then you climb up on the rock of ages and take God's word and take your position there and stand while the gates of hell is battling against it can I go on a few more minutes with the perfect assurance that he who promised it will never fail. Remember said sometimes you have to separate from everything that's dear on earth to take your position that God has called you to. I'm sure you can read between the lines he says sometimes the very dearest person on earth you have to shake hands with them. Oh God. You got some growing to do Andrew. Y'all pray for me, okay? No, I think there's some other people here who can relate. Sometimes, in order to take your position, you got to shake hands with them. Just take your position in Christ to where God has called you. Let me ask you something. Are you going to let somebody keep you out of your position? Are you meaning to tell me that all it's going to take is a handshake to tear that devil down that's trying to divide you between brothers and sisters? That's all it takes to tear that devil down, and you're going to back up to that opposition. Now it's easy to preach when we're under this anointing. Come on now. But you see, we're anointed to stay in position against opposition. See, it's easy on Sunday morning to say, oh, I love everybody. I love my enemies. I love my I love those that hate me. I love those that despitefully use me. But then go to Walmart. And go down the other aisle, and they're so and so that you just said you love, but they're really your enemy. Oh. You still got that amen tape around here. Are you hearing me? Amen. But on Sunday morning, you was in your position. But on Walmart, I mean, you're running, you're, you're, doing, you're doing a calisthenics all across Walmart to get away from that person. You know why? Because it's a devil that knows if a unity comes in, there is no power in division, but there's power in unity. And the devil knows if that unity takes place, then if you can, if you can shake hands in Walmart, you can shout down the aisle in church, and the devil don't stand a chance when there's a people united in position under the message to pursue the enemy and take back their promises sometimes you just got to step out of your way but he says and take your position but see don't fear it God has not given you the spirit of fear he has given you the power of love and of faith and of a sound mind see then the prophet said then what you're feeling is the devil against you can I, can, I, can I share this with you what you're feeling is the devil against you because he knows the potentials of a believer in their position right now he knows the potentials that's in this service. So what he'll do is he'll try to get everybody's mind on the sound system. Come on. He'll try to get the preacher nervous. He'll try to get the musicians to come. Come on now. You, you know, but what he knows is there's potentials laying here that if they ever become ignited by the Spirit of God. There, there, there's young people right here tonight that the devil knows if he puts a, puts a, puts a hindrance in the atmosphere, they won't get a breakthrough. But he knows if a breakthrough comes in the building, there's young people that will drop the chains of pornography. They'll drop the chains of drugs. There's people sitting here tonight, amen, that if the atmosphere breaks out, they'll lose the desire to smoke cigarettes. They'll lose the desire to drink alcohol. They'll lose the desire to wear pants. Come on, church. Amen. And the devil does everything he can, amen, to hinder the atmosphere. But there's a bride here tonight who says it may be a Wednesday night and I may be tired in my body, but God's word is greater. 
God's word is greater than the conditions I'm up against. Devil, you might have backed me out 10 other services, but tonight's a different night. You might have backed me out 10 other nights, but today's a different service. I'm going to pursue that devil. I'm going to pursue that enemy. I'm not backing up. I'm not turning around. Come on, Happy Valley. Let's take the promised land. You've been backing up to that devil long enough. It's time to square your shoulders back and remind that devil who's boss. He is not the boss. He is not the ruler. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is victorious in his power and his resurrection. And there's no spirit here strong enough to bind the liberty of the Holy Ghost. Now, you know why the devil don't want the spirit to break out in the church, don't you? Because the spirit of the word is the Holy Spirit. Brother God said like this. He said, the spirit giveth life. The spirit of the word is the Holy Spirit. The letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. Gives a letter like this, makes it manifest, brings it to pass exactly what God promised. See, then what we must do, oh God what we must do boo devil is we must get the spirit of the word the promise said we must stay with the word stay with the word so that the spirit of the word will be on the people not the spirit of some fantastic or some minister or something but the spirit of the word now you say preacher what are you talking about I'm talking about the Bible which is the book of ages which is a book that was written Brother says it like this amen I'm, I'm hurrying he said God is the word and Jesus being the flesh let's go in the history of the Bible he said see written by 40 different writers over a space of 1600 years amen apart different times predicting the most important events that ever happened in the world's history and many times hundreds of years before it happened and there's not one error there's not one error in the entire 66 books not another not an author but God himself could be so accurate see then Jesus himself is the interpretation of the Bible when he's made manifest in the age of the part of the body is being made manifest to the world it's a book of mystery but while the true believer it's the revelation of God being revealed in the age we're living in my word Words are spirit and life. Jesus said, "The word is a seed that is sower sowed." We know that it's true. It's God in word form can only be interpreted by Himself. See what it is? It's the Bible, which is the book of the ages. Let me say it to you like this: The Bible is eternally right, so don't tinker with an eternally right word for a temporary situation. When, when, when your opposition is passed, brother, the word will still be right. And are you with me? Brother Harry, when the difficulty's gone, the word will still be right. When the, when the little ill feeling that's rose up between you and somebody in the church, when that's gone, the word will still be right. So don't change an eternally right word to, oh God, to fit a temporary situation because when the temporary situation's gone, the word will still be the standard of the judgment to the church. 
The prophet said this way, and I read this word, it'll never change. It'll never pass away. It's eternally right. For why? It is creative word. Now watch this. God has watched over his word. He has confirmed his word in heaven. I love how Abraham says this. He says, everything in heaven believes his word. Now the Bible says the word is settled in heaven. So in other words, God's standard of judgment has never changed. It remains the same, the word. Like somebody told me one time, they said, well, Andrew, they said, we, uh, we had a situation come up in the family, and what we done was we changed a few things. I said, well, well what did you change? He said, well, he said, we changed the way we approach things. I said, okay. I said, what's that? He said, well, we had our kids. They wanted to get involved in sports, and so what we're going to do is going to take them out of church and stuff. So what we done was we said, well, I guess we can lay that part aside for just a little bit to get them through these <laughs> Help me, Lord. To get him through these difficult days, he said, but what happened was we laid the word aside and we tried to change things. And he said, what happened was they got under the influence of those worldly coaches and those worldly sports entertainers. And he said, today, they're not even serving God. He said, but if I had it to do over, he said, I would have never laid down my convictions. I would have said it's church and everything else. I thought, oh, God. Come on, hey, come on, it's still the word. We might as well shout, it's still the word. So we change the word to fit the situation. And when the situation's over, the repercussions of changing, and he, oh God, an eternally right word is still there. But come on, friends, you've not been anointed to back off of your convictions. It's, a, it's an eternally right word. I'll tell you this, friends, amen, don't back off of what God reveals to your heart. I'm going to close right here because the prophet God shows us God's word, eternally right, is that judgment is the standard of judgment to the entire world. Then I found something that there's a connection between judgment and knowledge do you realize in the book of Chronicles that Solomon prays and he asked for wisdom and knowledge for thyself you know why I asked that that I mayest judge thou people so he goes before God and says God would you give me would you give me wisdom and would you give me knowledge that I may judge the people and God said wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee that thou mayest judge my people over whom I made king now watch something because one cannot judge a situation without knowledge now, brother, brother Tom, you imagine you go out and you get a speeding ticket, and then the cop, the cop says, "Oh well, you got a speeding ticket," and he comes up with all these kind of charges against you, takes you down to John City Jail, puts you in jail, amen. And then comes time for your trial, and you're sitting there, you got an attorney and everybody, and in comes some judge. He looks like he just got out of bed, ain't take a shower in a month, ain't combed his hair, comes in there, sits down on the bench, and says, "What's this case about? Who's Tom Horny?" Uh, he starts asking all these questions. Now watch, you're going to be nervous. You know why? Because you got a judge there that's got no knowledge of the case. How can he judge a case? If he has no knowledge of it. So before one can judge, there has to be knowledge of the situation. Have you ever caught this in the book of Peter, the prophet's text for the stature of perfect man? He says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Jesus, and of Jesus our Lord. According to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given us exceeding great and 
precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, now here's your foundation. Besides this, amen, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge. Now watch this. That word knowledge is the genos. It's the deeper, more perfect and enlarged knowledge of the religion such as belong to those who are the more advanced. Now do you see why that you are the advanced bride? You are the magnified bride. You are the, you are the full word bride because knowledge has come into you. <laughs> knowledge has come into you because you're going to be sitting on the throne with the judge and you're going to be judging situations. <laughs> you're going to be judging situations. So in other words, how can you judge there if you can't judge here? But a knowledge has come by the message of the hour and the prophet said, thirdly, you add knowledge. Knowledge now, that don't mean worldly knowledge because that's foolishness to God. But knowledge to judge. Judge what? To judge what's right from what's wrong. See, you judge whether the word is right or it's wrong. And if you could lay aside all your creeds, can I have five minutes and I'm done? All your unbelief, everything that you claim you've done, then you have knowledge to believe that God cannot lie. Amen. Let every man's word be a lie, but let mine be the truth. See, now you're getting knowledge. Are you ready for this? That's supreme knowledge. You may be sitting in here and like me, barely got out of high school. Thank God for open book test. I made it. Amen. But if you got the Holy Ghost and you got a seed inside of your soul and you got a divine nature by a divine power, then there's a supreme knowledge that is coming to the body of Jesus Christ by the divine intelligence of the Almighty God. Come on, no wonder the devil hates you because you can now judge what is right and what is wrong. Oh, God. Are you hearing me? Brother Aaron, in a generation where men don't even know what bathroom to go to, when women don't even know for women no more, there is a people on the earth who has got supreme knowledge of what was in the beginning and what was not in the beginning. They've got supreme knowledge of what seven seals are, what seven thunders are. Come on, church. And the devil hates that, so the devil tries to move you out of position. But I'll leave you with this. Supreme knowledge is staying in position knowing what God said God is able to perform remember those three words Brother Weston mysterious unreasonable ridiculous Abraham had knowledge Brother said Abraham believed that he was a hundred years old but he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Listen to this. Look how ridiculous that word looked. Here's a man, a hundred years old, looking for a baby to be born into his home. Are you ready for this? By a woman that's 90 years old, almost 50 years past barren, lived with her since she was a young girl. Here he is. His life stream is dead. Sarah's womb is dead. All hope is gone. But yet against hope... He believed in hope because he had knowledge that God was able to keep everything he promised. Now watch this, Brother Harry. Here's Abraham with supreme knowledge that God is able to perform his word. Here's Sarah who says, Abraham, look, the opposition is too great. The, the circumstances, the difficulties, it's too great. Listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help God. 
So the prophet said, Sarah tried to give God a little bit of help, and she thought, you know, otherwise God promised I'm an old, you know, I'm an old woman, God. Hagar's a beautiful woman. Abraham won't mind marrying her. So, you know, that'll help God, because Hagar, she's probably 21 years old. She's my maid. You know, I'll give her to my husband for a wife, because polygamy was legal. So even though it was legal, didn't mean it was right. Come on, even because it was legal did not mean God would still bring himself under obligation to it. I'll give her a baby by my husband and that'll, then I'll take the baby. You see, we always try to do something. We cannot wait for him. Do you realize what happened? I, I promise I'm closing. Do you realize what happened? The prophet, the prophet of God said, Sarah bypassed God's plan and said the baby will come by Hagar. Do you realize we do that many times? We do things and then get mad at God when it don't work out. We get in situations and when, the, oh God, when they fall apart, it's all of a sudden God's fall. You know what that'd be like? That'd be like Weston going out here and buying an $85,000 pickup truck and call me and tell me, look at my new truck. It's a nice truck. I said, Weston, how much are them payments? He said, well, there's about $2,000 a month. So I come ride with him one time. You know, it's a nice truck. Then a few, day, a few days later, I see Weston. I say, how you doing, buddy? He won't shake my hand. He won't speak to me. He won't acknowledge me. He's all mad at me. Well, what did I do to you? Well, they come and reap possess my truck it's your fault wait a minute how's it my fault I didn't obligate myself to those two thousand dollar a month payments so when it fell apart you can't be mad at me for something I never obligated myself to are you hearing me and I'm done with this quit obligating God to things outside of his word he never obligated himself to Hagar he said the, the seed will come through Abraham will come into Sarah I'll change their bodies and they'll bring forth a promised son and Sarah without supreme knowledge said there's no way it can be done so Hagar comes in the picture God is obligated to Hagar and Ishmael comes on the scene is an enemy unto Isaac and the Bible says cast out the bondswoman and her son for the bondswoman shall not be here with my son and the Bible says that Sarah got a little bit upset you imagine Sarah it didn't work out but it was never a part of God's will as the musicians were coming the part of God said listen we always try to do something and we can't wait for him we got to do something might have been all right she might have been pretty it might have looked very good but it wasn't according to the word Abraham, do you realize the reproach we're bearing in this community? Do you realize the reproach? You're 100, I'm 90. We're going to have a child. <laughs> Abraham, it's not going to work. You know what the prophet of God called it? He said God told Abraham the baby was coming by Sarah. He said, watch, the people are always trying to manufacture something. To take the place of God's creative will Hagar tried to manufacture a way to bring the promise of God to pass Sarah did through Hagar when she came up against opposition but all she had to do was stay in position are you hearing me tonight how many of us have done things the Lord said, God spoke, I felt led. It's God's will. God told me, God showed me. It didn't match up with God's word for nothing. 
And we stepped out and we obligated God to it and it fell apart. And there's people not even serving God tonight. They're mad at God. But all they had to do was come back to an experience that God keeps his word, not our feelings. God keeps his word, not our emotions. God keeps his word, not our ideas. You see, tonight, friends, you may be sitting right here in that very condition tonight. I was preaching the other day, and a man told me, he said, Brother Andrew, he said, for 30 years, I've been sitting in church, and he said, I've been mad at God because of a situation in my life that I thought was God's will, and it fell apart, and he said, I felt like it was God, and I felt like it was God's fault. And he said, I have been mad at God for 30 years. He said, and when you were speaking this this morning, he said, my eyes come open to this revelation that I obligated God to something he never obligated himself to. Young people, I love emotion. I'll shout right with you. But God's not obligated to our emotions. He's obligated to his word. Won't you stand to your feet this evening and rest yourself? Brother Bram said, see, any belief, any faith, are you hearing this? Any belief, any faith that's established outside of the word of God, let it alone. Let it alone. Brother Bram said, see, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Do you all believe that with one accord? Yeah. Well, brother, brother Fred, what is God obligated to? Brother Bram says it here. If he's risen from the dead, then he is under obligation to produce his life in his church. And where's his life coming from? His word. And what's the spirit of his word? The Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful tonight that we have received supreme knowledge? That God is able to perform his word regardless of the opposition. Regardless of the difficulties. You see tonight, friends, if you're here, and I'll say it to you like this, and you've obligated God to something that he never obligated himself to, there's only one way to fix it. Are you ready? Repent. Oh, Brother Andrew, there's no way I could repent. Well, the prophet did. The prophet was able to repent. So I know I can repent. What, what about you tonight? What about us tonight? And we find ourselves and things is not working out. And we realize we obligated God to things that was outside of his word. Listen, you can't change certain things. But you can repent and move forward. And there's a word laying here tonight for every believer Stay in position against the opposition. Amen. Let's bow our heads together tonight. Brother Branham says it like this. He says, this word is eternally right. He said, it's an eternal, certain sound. He said, anything outside of it is not right. He said, like they've taken the sound of John 3, you must be born again. And they've replaced it and said, shake a preacher's hand. He said, that's an uncertain sound. He said, they've taken the water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and replaced it with Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He said, that's an uncertain sound. He said, they've obligated God to those things. 
and he never obligated himself to it. Friends, tonight, with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Maybe, maybe you find yourself there tonight. You say, preacher, who are you after tonight? I'm after one person. It's the devil. I'm after every spirit of hell that's trying to put pressure on God's children, on God's families, on God's fathers, God's husbands, God's wives, God's young ladies, God's young men. That's putting pressure upon them in opposition to give up their position, to give up their convictions, to give up their, their standards, to back off of the word. And Oh, friends, God, God keeps his word tonight. You let the Lord just come by your way tonight and search your heart. I know I opened my heart to him tonight. Because there's no one in here tonight at some point or another that hadn't got ahead of God. We hadn't waited on God. And things become a mess. And there were pieces left. And we all of a sudden thought it was God's fault. But I'm so thankful tonight that God keeps his word. And his word said, if you'll humble yourself and repent, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive the sins. I'll heal the land. Friends, I don't put that out to a congregation. I put it to my heart. I bring myself under that. God bless you, sis. God bless you. God bless you. It's not too late. There's a God here tonight who keeps his word. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I feel your presence as it's settled down in this building tonight. Lord, you're here right now. And Father, I believe, Lord, we might have not been running all over the place. We believe in those things. Lord, standing right here right now, I feel your presence so strong in this building. Lord, you're the loving God. You're the caring God. You're the mighty God. Lord, you care enough about me, Lord. You care enough about every believer here. That you would send your word to us. And you would open our eyes. You would open our eyes, Lord. There's not a one of us here tonight that can fold our arms and say we're not guilty. We're ever one guilty of getting ahead of God. Trying to manufacture something. Maybe come up against a little opposition and try to manufacture something to get through it. But oh God, you've not called us to follow the manufactured will of God. You've called us to walk in the creative will of God. Lord... I think about Israel when they come up against the Red Sea. Lord, what if they had tried to manufacture something? Tried to find some type of shovel or tried to find some type, of, some type of equipment or something to dig out the Red Sea enough, Lord. But Lord, they just stayed in position. Hallelujah. They stayed in position against the Red Sea, feeling the pressure of the opposition behind them. But Lord, they stood there and they said, Lord, you wouldn't bring us to nothing that you weren't able to bring us through. So until we see something, Lord, we'll just stay in position and believe you. We'll worship you. And Lord, your prophet said, they stood there and under Moses' ministry. And you sent the pillar of fire down and through angry eyes, the Red Sea got nervous and rolled back, Lord. Lord, what greater thing, Father? There was nothing manufactured, Lord, that we could read the rest of that story and read it like this. That when they crossed the Red Sea on the other side, they didn't even have mud on their feet from the Red Sea. Lord, no manufactured will could do that. But Lord, your creative will can. So Father, from me, Lord, to every believer here tonight, God, we come before you tonight, Lord, and we ask you, Father, anoint the qualities that you put in us, Lord. Lord, anoint that seed that you placed inside of us, Lord. 
to stay in position. Oh, there's going to be times that it looks mysterious. It looks unreasonable. It looks ridiculous. But Lord, if we can just stay in position, we'll see the miraculous. If we can just stay in position, you're still the God of paradox. You're still a tremendous God. You will come into action. But Lord, our job is to stand there under your word, surrendering our ideas, surrendering our thoughts, surrendering our motives to your word, and saying, Lord, I want to follow your word. I want to follow your creative will. Father, if there be one here tonight, young or old, Lord, that they find themselves maybe right here right now as your presence has settled down in this building, they find even right now, Lord, that they're obligating you to things that you've never obligated yourself to, and it don't work out, and it looks like it's falling apart, and all these things we can come up with. But Lord, would you move by our way tonight, Lord? Would you move on our hearts? Would you speak to our lives tonight, God? And we'll be quick. We'll be quick to respond. For we believe you're here tonight. We believe you're here moving in our midst. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed, we just slip our hands up to him. Let's say, Lord, come by my way tonight. Search my heart. Search my family. Search our church, Lord. Search our ministries, oh God. Search, search everything about us, Lord. If there be anything there, oh God. If there be anything there, it's not in your word. Give us the courage tonight, Lord, to let it alone. Give us the courage tonight to let it alone. Lord, if there's a doctrine that's creeping in our lives and our hearts and it's, it's not with your word, give us the courage tonight, Lord, to let it alone. Lord, if there's a direction we're going and, or, or, or Lord, we're, we're treating somebody a certain way and it's against your word, God, give us the courage to let it alone. Give us the courage to separate ourselves from it so we can take, your, take our position as a believing child of God. Grant it to not God. In Jesus Christ's name. Did you sing something for us, Brother Harry? If anyone needs prayer tonight, the altar's open. How many can say, Lord, I hear you speaking to me. I want to take my position. Is there any fathers here tonight can say, I hear the word. I want to take my position. Any husbands, any mothers, any wives, any kids? What about it tonight, preachers? You say, Lord, I want to take my position like never before. God bless you tonight, Brother Harry. Oh, that I surrender the light of my Lord. The more that I release my care, the more you take control.
your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon
just worship him. Oh, he, he's worthy of all of our praise here tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He keeps his word, so whatever you have need of tonight, you believe him. Thank you. I love you, Lord. Let's just worship him together. For your mercy never fails me. Thank you, Lord. In all my days. I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing Of the goodness of God I love you, Lord fails me
Psalms 34. Well, I sought the Lord, and He answered me. To look on him are radiant. They'll never be ashamed. They'll never be ashamed. Well, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard me, and He saved me from.
that the Lord is good. He'll give you everything. He'll give you everything. days of Elijah be flat be flat believe so wasn't it good to be in church tonight praise the Lord so just so appreciate brother Andrew coming and just obeying the Lord tonight let's just sing this song tonight you can go just remember the services on the weekend youth meetings down at brother David's let's just pray for those meetings and the kids traveling there just just go with the peace of God tonight. Let's sing that. Oh, these are the days of Elijah Declaring the word of the Lord These are the days of your servant Moses Righteousness being restored are days of great trial, famine and darkness and soul. Still we are the voice in the desert crying,
the days of Ezekiel Dry bones becoming as flesh These are the days of your servant David Building a temple 